if the Seattle management is going to give you their time of day, what makes you think that Jerry Jones is going to listen to you? Most times they're blowing teams out by 10. Come on now. When they're on, they're on. Again, I'm going to need you to write LeBron a letter, send it to him, and say, Bron, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hop off your bandwagon. Don't do that. Attention all basketball fans, CMG Sports presents the Posting Up Podcast, where Lucas Boldick, Sean Scanlon, and King Zay discuss the latest news and topics throughout the NBA. So, if you have a love for basketball, make sure you check out the Posting Up Podcast, live every Tuesday and Saturday on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also available for download on every podcast platform. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the tagger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back. Trap. Wall. See ya. Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I'm Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And what a night it was for Kevin Durant last night. I mean, in my opinion, that was the greatest performance of his career. And that's no hyperbole. That was the greatest performance of his entire career. 49, 17, and 10. He pretty much carried that team last night. I mean, he was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, That shot he made (laughs) with 50 seconds to go was unbelievable. That shot pretty much clinched the game. I mean, there's just just no more you could say about Durant's performance. It It was unbelievable. I mean, the Nets were down by 16 at halftime. He completely carried that team last night and put them in position to win. And that was the big that was the big question going into the game. Can Kevin Durant carry a team in the playoffs? Because we remember when he was in OKC, he had Russell Westbrook. Then he goes to the Golden State. He's got Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. But 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 uh but last night, James Harden played, but let's be honest, James Harden was a shell of himself. He was he was he was not anywhere near what he usually is. Kyrie Irving was out. And this man carried his team. Last night, Kevin Durant Kevin Durant proved there is no doubt right now he is the best player in the NBA, and there is zero argument for that. There is no doubt about it. I mean, you could say, you could say LeBron James, but look at LeBron James against the Suns. His, I mean, when AD was out, LeBron James couldn't carry his team. Kevin Durant carried his team. He did what? The top players in the league do. He did what LeBron did in game six in 2012, putting up 46. He did what Kobe Bryant did for years with the Lakers. He did what LeBron, what, 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 uh, what, uh, what, uh, Michael Jordan did with the Bulls in the 90s. That was a, a epic performance, a historic performance last night for Kevin Durant. And the Nets right now lead 3 2 over the Bucs. But Justin, the question, the question is this Do the Bucs still have a shot in this series? No. My, I put that game a lot on Mike Wuholzer. Um Now, oh, okay, yeah. Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant had an unbelievable game. That, yeah, that was, you know, obviously his best performance, playoff performance he had. I'm not trying to take any way, you know, Kevin Durant carried that team, you know, to get the win. But 
what I saw from the Bucks last night, and again, they have a 16-point lead at halftime. I just I hated some of the moves that they did. You know, two with the Bucks, they're not the Golden State Warriors, and they just shoot threes. Just they, they, you know, that's not their strength. I thought too, they should have gone after James Harding every time on the offensive end and just made him go one on one. You know, they didn't do that a lot. Giannis had the opportunity and he takes a fadeaway. It's like take him to the hole. You're you got like six inches on the guy. I I, I didn't like that. Um, you know, and then defensively, you know, um PJ Tucker the first few games was doing a really good job on KD. Then last night they just go under every screen. They were just switching off, and he, you know, Kevin Durant was able to hit every shot. I think he made his first eight shots in the second half. You know, I, I put a lot of that game on Mike Bullholzer. You know, Giannis had to be great to uh, he had to continue to keep, you know, um, responding every time KD hit a shot. He wasn't able to. You know, Giannis played really well, but he didn't come up big when it mattered. He had to outplay Kevin Durant. He didn't. No, no, and he didn't. I mean, when he had, he had I mean, he had uh, James Harden one on one. James Harden said, "I'm going to take you," yeah. and Giannis refused to take him to the basket. He ends, he ends up shooting a fadeaway. Terrible, terrible decision there. Oh, yeah. And then he and he drops the ball late in the game. Uh, yeah. that, that that he didn't he drops the ball late in the game. Just yeah, Giannis did not come up big. Missed a couple free throws, and this proves to a lot of people. And I hate, and I've been saying this for years. And I want this to be a day where we celebrate how good KD is and not completely bash Giannis because Giannis had a had a really good game as well. But I've been saying this for years. There's an argument. Giannis is not top five. And, and this post and these last three postseasons have proved that. I know he's won two MVPs, but there definitely is an argument out there that, that Giannis is not top five. There's an argument you would obviously take. Uh, you obviously, there's no question you take Durant over him, even LeBron right now over him. Steph Curry, definitely, I think Steph Curry over him. Uh, I, I would take, uh, I, I'd probably t- take. Kawhi just because of his career accomplishments over him, and he beat him two years ago in the conference finals. And I would probably take, uh, I'd probably take James Harden over him. I mean, I, I, honestly, I would probably take James Harden over him because James Harden's able to shoot threes. You could make an argument, Giannis is not top five. No, I don't want to turn this into you know us bashing Giannis. I, I want to celebrate how great Durant was, but Giannis, and this has been consistent with him throughout the entire throughout his entire career, has came up small in the postseason. Definitely. I'm with you. I don't, I, you know, I hate to say it too. You know, I know. Yeah. We got to be celebrating what KD did last night, but yeah, you know, until Giannis hits a three, until Giannis becomes a consistent three point shooter, he can't be in the top five. He just, he just can't, you know? And again, top five players, they're, they're able to carry their team in the playoffs when they need a big spot. We haven't seen that from Giannis either yet. So Giannis is a fantastic player. I hope he gets a ring one day. I hope he brings one to Milwaukee. But right now he's not he's not top five. I mean, I might have to. I probably agree with you there. He's arguably top five. But I probably agree with you that he's not top yeah. five. And, and and here's the, and here's the thing about uh here's the thing about Giannis. I mean, yes, yes, it's not his game to shoot three point shots. But if you look at all the top players in this league, they all can shoot three point shots. He's the one guy. If you uh, if you look at you know outside of the centers, if you look at the top players in this league, Giannis is the one player that can't shoot three point shots. And I think it comes back to hurt him when he gets to the playoffs because. Guys know how to defend him. They know that he's not going to be able to, to make a lot of three-point shots. They know they could just they could just sag off the three-point line and guard him. Uh, that he's great at getting to the basket. He's one of the best players in the game at getting to the basket. But uh, it just he he just the problem with him is he just he can't make threes and he just doesn't take over in playoff games. And that's and yes, he takes over when they're da- when they're down 0-2 and they need a win in game three. But when game when when you need to have that win in game five, 
He just doesn't do it. And 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 looking at the series, I still think it's anyone's series because of the injuries of the Nets. James Harden showed me last night that he's still he's still not even close to 100%. I don't know if Kyrie Irving's going to come back for game six. So I do think this is still a series. But I wouldn't doubt the fact the Nets win the series. And I wouldn't doubt the fact the Nets win the series if, if only Kevin Durant is healthy because of how great Kevin Durant was last night. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I I think the Nets – I think maybe the Bucs Bucks do get game six, but I don't think they would go. I don't think they can come back in game seven and beat the Nets. You know, again, I, I think it's it's mostly coaching, you know. And I know it's not a huge thing in the NBA. You know, we've seen it a lot with Boonholder. Um, he's, he's a great regular season coach. When it comes to playoffs, he just, you know, his teams just have not played well. You know, you saw it in Atlanta. You've seen it with the Bucs team. And I – I thought Steve Nash out coached him last night. I thought they made some adjustments better than the Bucks did, and I don't really have faith in in um the Bucks. I don't I don't think they will. Um, I don't think they'll be able to win the series. Yeah, and that's crazy if you get out coached by a rookie head coach. I mean, you've been mm-hmm. coaching for you've been coaching for eight years, and you're now being out coached by a a, 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 a first year head coach. That just can't happen. And uh, yeah, he's, you're you're right. Bootenholz is a really good regular season coach. He's a good coach. He's not a great coach, and he and he's definitely proven that in, in the postseason. He's definitely he definitely has. And uh, if they lose this series, there might have to be a coaching change. I, I would I might I agree with you there. Yeah, there 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 would have to be. I, I think part of it is it's him kind of holding the team back, and I, I think you have to. I think what you saw last night has kind of been what's what Bootenholz's team's done in the playoffs. Kind of just. Hand over a game to the you know the other team, even though look Kevin Durant. I'm not trying to take anything away from Kevin Durant because he's phenomenal, but you got to figure out some way to slow him down. You know, I know Jeff Green had a good game too, and Blake Griffin, but you you got to find some way to stop him. You cannot let him yeah. just win a game like that. Absolutely. So looking onto the rest of the series, I think the biggest key for the Bucks is, is yes, with uh with with. With uh, DiFincenzo out and Tucker having to start, their bench isn't as good. But they need content and Forbes to step up more off the bench. Because the, uh, the, the story that a lot of people aren't talking about last night is the Nets bench outscored the Bucks bench 36-15. to 15, And a big reason for that was Jeff Green. The Nets bench stepped up last night and the Bucks bench did not. And the Bucks bench has struggled all series. Uh, and and if, that, if their bench does not get better, it's going to be hard for me to see them win that series. Yes, I do think they could win a game six because I think the Nets should hold – should hold should, should sit James Harden out for game six and should, should sit Kyrie Irving out for game six. But there could be a realistic chance that Harden and Kyrie could be back for game seven. So the Bucks bench definitely has to step up. But I, right now, I did say Nets in six originally. I'm going to go Nets in seven because I think that the Bucks win game six because I don't think the Nets need the game. And I, I think Harden's going to sit and I think Kyrie's going to sit. But in game seven, I'm not going to go against Kevin Durant, the best player in the game, in a game seven. Uh, in this series, so I, I'm going. I got. I I did say Nets in six originally before the series started, but with the injuries now, I am going Nets in seven. Yeah, I'm with you. I got Nets in seven. I think the Bucks come back, find a way to win in front of the home crowd um, on third tomorrow night. But yeah, I don't think the the Bucks can come back here and win a game seven on the road. I don't see it happening. Um, and I think the Nets take it in seven games. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and, this, and last night, obviously, it was just a huge legacy game for both players. Durant pretty much cemented himself as being one of the all-time greats in this game. Yes, he joined two two superstars in in, uh, in, in Golden State, but 
I think last night pretty much cemented that he's one of the greatest players to ever play this game. And last night for Giannis, it pretty much showed that he's a he's a great regular season player, but in the postseason, he's really had his struggles. He's had three opportunities to not only get to the finals but to win a championship, and he could be and he could and he could and he could blow all three of these opportunities if he loses one of the next two games. Absolutely, you know it's unfortunate. It's you know I've, I've said it many times. I want to see Giannis win a ring in Milwaukee. You know I want to see a small market team win, but yeah, you know until you know he can get a three point shot, until you know he can get his team to the finals. You know again, you really can't put him in the top five. And then you know you take it a step further. It's like you know big miss free throws too. You know those you huge, know, huge. There's will be free. You know they they're freebies for a reason, and you you know you gotta hit them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So big game six tomorrow night. We'll see what ends up happening between these two teams, but we got to get on to the Western conference. We got to get on to one of the biggest stories in the Western conference. And that's, there's two big, big, big stories, big two, two key players that are, could be out, for, could be out. I mean, one could be out. It's probably gonna be out for the Western conference finals. One, the other one could be out for the rest of the postseason. We'll start with the one that could be out for the whole, the entire Western conference finals. And that's a, uh, that's, that's a uh, Chris Paul. And this is a huge, huge loss for the Phoenix Suns. I wrote an article this week about, uh, about how he's changed the culture in Phoenix, and he absolutely has. Yes, he's only averaged 16 points a game, but this team has improved defensively. Uh, he's he's made other guys around around him around on this team better just be, just because of his play. They've won more games because of his play. This is a huge huge loss for the Suns. He's he, right now he's in 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 the in the NBA's health and safety uh, safety protocol in the, in the NBA's health and safety protocols right now. He's he's he's, he's part of that because due to COVID 19. So we'll see we'll see what happens with Chris Paul, but. And I'll ask you. I'll ask you this question, Justin. Do the Suns have any chance? No matter who they play, they might have a chance playing one of the teams, though. No matter who they play, do they have a chance to get to the NBA Finals without Chris Paul? I think they have a chance. You know, if if they do get the Clippers, it quies out. I could see them having a chance because I know we'll talk about the Clippers in a minute. But um, I, I I could see them having a chance to beat. I think they're they're good enough to beat the Clippers if they do not have Kawhi Leonard. I think Booker and, 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 well. we got, and we got breaking news. Chris Paul has tested positive for COVID nineteen. Okay, wow. So that's probably oh, that's. Yeah. Pro- I, I just see. I, I've seen. I saw. I've. I, I've. I don't know if the ESPN has reported it yet, but I've seen it. I've seen. I've just seen that Chris Paul has uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen. So th- he's now probably going to be out for uh, two weeks. And that's going to be a huge, I think, a huge loss for the Suns. Yeah, if you're the Suns, you're definitely rooting for the Clippers. You're rooting for first. You're rooting for it to go seven games. Now you're, but you're also rooting for the Clippers because there's a definitely a possibility, and we'll get to this that Kawhi's going to be out for the entire postseason. So who would have thought you'd rather play? You'd want to play the, you want to avoid the Jazz. But if you're the Suns, you definitely would want to avoid the Jazz. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we might have lost Justin have- there. Definitely have a better chance, especially because you know you can court too if you get the Clippers. So that helps out even more. I think you know the way I've seen the Suns play. I think you know he's Chris Paul's really made a statement to these guys and these players that I think they could kind of without him be able to kind of rise and you know like a pain steps up. Um, you know who's played well in some postseason games. So I think you know yeah for the Suns definitely rather. Uh, Face the Clippers or not? I don't know if Paul George can carry the Clippers to a uh, finals. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that later. But 
I mean, Chris Paul's impact, you saw that in the series against the Nuggets. I mean, he came through in the fourth quarter almost every game. He was outstanding in the fourth quarter. Yes, he only averaged 16 16 points a game this season, but his playoff performance last round definitely gives me major concern with the Suns going forward. Yeah, absolutely. He shot the ball really, really well in that second round. Finally, you know, that kind of shoulder injury kind of went away those last few games for him because, yes, that third, fourth quarter – what was it, game two or game three? He had like 20, 18, 20 points in, you know, the second half, late third quarter. You know, he stepped up and, and really sparked them for a win. Um, and, yeah, you know, that veteran leadership that he kind of brings because, you know, that Sun team's really young. They have a lot of young guys. So, yeah, having that veteran in the locker room like Chris Paul, you know, and, and wherever he's gone, that team's improved the next season. Like, you know, he's just brought such a winning culture to every organization he's played with. And, you know, I think it's a touch a tough loss because of his impact. But I think the Suns, you know, whoever they play, I think they still do have um, a chance to still get the NBA Finals. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see there. So uh, brutal, brutal loss for the Suns, and we'll see how things go for them going forward. But we got to talk about another player who, you know, he, he, he sprained his knee, but now we've heard he may be out indefinitely, and that's Kawhi Leonard. And – if, and, and it's a big game five tonight. The, the, the Clippers head back to Utah to face Jace Gar- our producer, Jace Garcia's Utah Jazz. You see a picture of his big dunk he had in game four. Uh, again, this is another huge, huge loss for the Clippers. And if Paul George wants to prove that he's – I don't think he should be an all-NBA player, but if Paul George wants to prove he's an all-NBA player, he's got to step up in this series and in this game because – Obviously, this is a huge, huge loss for the Clippers, depending on how long Kawhi's out. I mean, he could be out for the rest of the postseason. He may be out for the rest of this, rest of this series. He could be out for only this game. We don't know yet. We don't know the severity of what's happening with Kawhi Leonard. But say Kawhi Leonard is out. Let's just say Kawhi Leonard is out for the rest of this series. Justin, what chance do you give the Clippers uh, of beating the Jazz? It should be tough. And um, Shams is reporting that it could be an ACL injury. For Kawhi, oh so. wow, wow! So this could be this could be really serious. This could this this yeah. could lead into next year if uh, yeah. if this is an ACL. This could lead into next year. Yeah, which is very this unfortunate. Is so this is even this is even more serious yeah. than, than than we thought. So yeah, I mean, I honestly think uh, if if uh, if if Kawhi's out, I think I and Jace, everything's fit. Everything is is falling mm-hmm. in the falling the Jazz way right now. I think the Jazz win this series in six. I predicted the Clippers. But if Kawhi's out, I think they win in six. I think Kawhi is just too valuable to a team to have him out. Definitely. I, I'm with you with the Jazz at six now. You know, for Paul George, I really like the way he started to attack, attack the basket the last few games. Because, yeah, the three-point shot wasn't falling. He started to attack the basket, and I thought it really helped helped them out, helped the team out more. But obviously, you play like a team like the Jazz, and they're going to hit threes. They're going to have to have – he's going to have to hit a couple three-pointers. Um, but I, I think the guy that could really have – an X factor in this game is um is Morris, you know, and their three wins um and through their postseason wins, he's 16 for 37 from beyond the arc. And their losses, he's been seven for 33. So if he's on hitting shots, the Clippers have a pretty good chance to win. If not, the Clippers are in trouble. He's he's gotta kind of be the number two guy. Um he had a great he had 22 points in the first half of the other night. He kind of disappeared a little bit in the second half, hit a couple of three throws late, but um, they're going to need Morris, but I don't know if Paul George is good enough to carry the team on, on his back. 
Absolutely. And the big the big key for the Clippers is, is they need Morris and they need Reggie Jackson to play well in, in, in every game in this series going forward because they've been inconsistent. So, if, I mean, Reggie Jackson's been better than – obviously been better than uh, than Marcus Morris in the postseason. Morris has really had two good games in this postseason, game seven against the Mavericks and then uh, game uh, – game four against the jazz but what what the uh what the what the what the clippers are going to need is they're going to need marcus morris and they're going to need reggie jackson to play really really well they want any chance in this series because if if they don't and paul george has got to do it by himself i think he's in i think he's in trouble especially tonight because you know that donovan mitchell is going to be out of a big game you know donovan mitchell's putting up at least 30 he's been he's done it in six straight playoff games you know donovan mitchell's going to play well that's that's obvious and i think the jazz players the, the other guys the, the joe ingles the, uh, the Rudy Grobears, the Jordan Clarksons, the, the Royce O'Neals, they're going to play better at home. So especially tonight, they're going to need Morris and they're going to need Reggie Jackson big time. They want any chance to win tonight because they're going to win. The, they want to win this series. They're going to have to win at least one game in Utah. And that's going to be very, very difficult without Kawhi Leonard. So they're going to need Morris and they're going to need, uh, they're going to need Morris and, uh, and, Jackson. And, and Jackson to step up and the bench and the bench and, the, and their bench players of, of Nicholas Batum and Luke Kennard. They got to step up too. So, they they need to have those guys. Though they definitely need to have those guys step up. Absolutely, because too. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough to shut down this you know jazz offense. You know, you, yeah, we might have lost Justin there, but the oh, you're back, Justin. Down. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you got to you know um, try to hold the. You know, for the Clippers holding the Jazz somewhat in check, they're going to have to score a lot of points. To you know, and their defense hasn't been great. Yeah, you know, even like Zubox played. You know, he's played decent. Like they're they're going to need him to kind of do some of the little stuff. Like he's been, you know, a couple black shots, a couple rebounds, you know, some putbacks. Like they, you know, they're going to need Zubox too to make an impact in this game. You know, Morris. Yeah, if he can catch fire like he did in Game Four, you know, the other night, again, that's huge. Um, but yeah, it's going to be tough, especially to Mitchell being left off the all NBA team. I, I think you're going to get a very angry Donovan Mitchell. Tonight. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to yeah. those. We talk about those. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, again, I, I think you see Donovan Mitchell play with his hair on fire tonight and I don't think, you know, um, they're going to be able to slow him down or the jazz offense and the jazz. It sounds like Mike Conley's officially out tonight too. So he yeah. won't be yeah. back. Yeah, that might help the Clippers a little bit because that yeah. you know that make doesn't make the uh, Jazz bench as, as as good. But still, Donovan Mitchell has been phenomenal. They're at home. I did pick the Clippers in six, but without Kawhi, I got to now go Jazz in six. I know Jace Jace, Jace is gonna. I you know Jace likes that, but I got to go Jazz in six right now. I cannot trust the Clippers team without Kawhi Leonard. Absolutely, I'm I'm with you too. I think the Jets pull this thing out in six games now. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but we got to get to the other game tonight, and that's in the Eastern Conference. That's with the Phil- that's with the Philadelphia 76ers and the Atlanta Hawks. Hawks came from 18 down in Game Four to come back and beat the Sixers. Terrible second half for Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid was awful in the second half. I don't think he's 100 percent right now. That's why I think it's anyone's series right now between these two teams. Uh, ben Simmons was not good in Game Four. He was good in Game Three. He wasn't good in Game Four. Uh, Tobias Harris was good, but I think the biggest thing in this series is is I think that uh, if Joel Embiid is not 100, percent there's either one there's either one or two things. Embiid's not 100 percent right now, or he just had a terrible game four. For the Sixers, they just got to hope he had a really bad game four and a terrible second half. If he because if he because if this thing is a lingering injury, they they could be in a lot of trouble. 
against the 76 against the Hawks uh, against the Hawks tonight because uh, Trey Young has been outstanding in these post in this postseason. 25 point, 25 points in Game Four, had 18 assists. He was he was great in Game Four. Bagdanovich, your guy, Bogdan Bagdanovich again had you know 22 points in in Game in Game Four. Uh, uh, John Collins had 14 too. So. I think if Embiid is – that's going to be the big question. Is Embiid healthy? If Embiid isn't healthy, this could be anyone's series, and here's why. The, the Hawks will not have to double him inside, and it wouldn't be as – they wouldn't get as many open looks. And Danny Green's out too, so that's another three-point shooter. They wouldn't have as many open looks from Tobias Harris or or uh, or Seth Curry. So I think this that's a huge factor is Embiid's health in this series. If he's not healthy, it's anyone's series. But if he, if he just had a bad game in game four and he's and he's still healthy – I think the Sixers win the series in six games. In my opinion, I just think he had a terrible second half. I'm going to still go with the Sixers like I did previously. I, I'm still going uh, uh, Sixers in six. But, Justin, in your opinion, who has the edge in this series right now? It's – you know, right now it's a toss-up, right? Because I know when beats a knee's been bugging him and it's still bothering him. So, that, that you know, that's caused a concern. And, it, you know, it's still bothering him. I would probably take the Hawks because, look, they had to take Ben Simmons off the floor the final possession of the game because he can't shoot and he can't shoot free throws. So, you know, I know they have Tobias Harris and Seth Curry. They've both been playing really well, but, you know, I take Trey Young over both of them. So, again, if, if he's still – if it needs bother him, I think it's Atlanta. I, read, I You know, with Bogdanovich, um, Gallinari, you know, I think Clint Capella could have a, you know, big game down low, um, you know. If it's still bugging them, I'd probably I'd take the Hawks right now. Yeah, I mean it's all gonna come down to how MB's health. That's what this series is. I mean, the Hawks could win it in six if he's not healthy. The Sixers probably win it in six if he is. So it's this series all pretty much comes down to a, a healthy Joel Embiid. That's that's pretty much what what it, what it comes down to. It's that simple. Absolutely. You know, um, did you see? Yeah, such an impact he makes on the you know over twelve in the second half. It, it just doesn't happen. He still had twenty one rebounds. He kind of. I know he had the chance to um, tie it and, and miss, miss the layup, just kind of, you know, overshot it. But, yeah, you, you know, you're definitely right. You know, before saying the double teams, if Atlanta does not have the double team, they can leave them all kind of one-on-one to comp- with uh, Capella, you know, and he's not 100%. You know, that's does not – you know, yeah, um, Harrison Curry aren't going to have open threes and – um, a couple more missed shots, and again, I just don't trust Ben. I don't trust Ben Simmons to be able to kind of pick up the workload. I know he's, he's, you know, he said after the game he want, he's going to be more aggressive, but I, I haven't seen it from him in four or five years in the NBA. So I, I again, I don't think things are changing tonight. He is so overrated; it's ridiculous. I mean, the guy can't shoot threes. The guy is not a scorer. I mean, for what he's been been expected to be, and we what he thought we were what he was going to be during that 2018 season when he went rookie over the over Donovan Mitchell, which I still can't believe that that happened because I mean Donovan Mitchell is much better than uh, Ben Simmons. I mean, I, I, I just I, he's just completely overrated. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about Ben Simmons. Yeah, his defense is really good, but he is not the player that's worth that 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 we thought he was going to be when he was the number one overall pick. He can't shoot, and it's it's as simple as that. Absolutely. And, I, you know, going back to when he put at LSU, I kind of saw all those signs. That was an under 500 LSU team. They had a and, top five recruiting class, too. Yeah. And when you're under 500 in college, that should show that should yeah. show you something. That, that should have shown team something that he couldn't shoot. The team was bad in college. How many NBA superstars can you think of 
had a really bad college basketball team. I mean, Steph Curry was known for his run in the NCAA tournament. That's what he was known for. Either, either, uh, either the the best, either the NBA superstars didn't play college basketball or played internationally, like Luka Doncic and Giannis, or they, uh, or or they were, or their teams at least made the NCAA tournament. Ben Simmons' yeah. team when he was in college didn't make the NCAA tournament. No. Yeah, that's us on the, you know, and even look at CJ McCollum and Lehigh. He put up 32 against Duke. You know, Damian Lillard, Weaver State, they believe they made it. I don't think they won a game, but I believe they did make the tournament. Like, you know, like, They're yeah, you know, team. even, yeah, he, you know, John Moran a few years ago. Yeah, you know, you're right. Them to the, the NCAA teams, tournament. Yep. Yeah. You know, you're, you're right. You know, have it, it kind of, it shows. There's not, I'm trying to go through it, but I don't know any superstars that, that played in college that, Playing on poor teams are final year. It's not does not happen very often. No, no, not at all, not at all. And uh, this is and obviously Ben Simmons. I think he's overrated, but we'll see what ends up happening in this series. I mean, it's two two and beats health. It's all going to come down to that. It's all going to come down to that, and we'll see tonight. Big night of the NBA. You got uh, seven thirty. You got the Hawks and the Seventy Sixers on TNT, and followed by that, you, you got the Clippers and Jazz. So two series is two two. I know there's a lot of injuries, but still, we got some really really good basketball happening tonight on TNT. So it should be a great night of basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, should be, should be fun. It's unfortunate all the injuries, but um, makes it more competitive and more balanced, you know, um, um, you know, it's kind of the way it it's is. Something that Justin kind of likes this year. I think, I think you yeah. like the NBA a little bit more this year because it's a little bit more balanced. Yes, I, I, I do. I don't like the, all the super teams and cause it's, it's, it's sometimes it, some years it's tough to watch the play Cause it's like, you already know the two teams, that they're, they're going to be in the finals, you know? Like, so, yeah, this year it's been very um, – it's been crazy, which I do enjoy, the craziness. Yeah, well, we'll see what ends up happening there. But we got to talk about a story out of Dallas this week, and that was Luka Doncic being upset with the Dallas front office. And I I, 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 would, I wouldn't blame him, man. This, this guy is one of the best scorers in the game. Yes, he's not the greatest defensive player in the game. He's an outstanding scorer. He could pretty much score from anywhere on the floor. A six-seven point guard. He's one of the. He is. He is clearly a top ten player in this game, uh, and he's upset with the front office. And and I could see it. I mean, if you look at this Mavericks team, a big reason why the Mavericks didn't advance on to the next round was the inconsistent play. They didn't have a true number two. Yes, Tim Hardaway had a really good series against the Clippers, but can you count on Tim Hardaway being a, a true number two? And he's going to be a free agent next year. And Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, his play in Game Three and Game Six was absolutely pathetic. As a Knicks fan. I'm actually now happy we traded him because he is so overrated. It is unreal. I mean, his, his postseason performance in, in game three and game six was absolutely pathetic. Uh, I mean, I, I, if I'm Luka Doncic, I think he's got a right to be frustrated. If you're the Mavs front office, you better step up and make some moves this offseason or Luka Doncic is going to run out of there and you're going to lose Luka Doncic and then you're going to be back to being a 25-win team. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I Mark Cuban, I think, one of the best owners. I think, you know, he'll he'll sort this thing out. I think, you know, He'll do whatever he can to help Luka Doncic out. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, you know, to me, I'm not, you know, because to me, I'm not too worried with, with Cuban being, you know, on top there, you know, and all that. I, I You know, I feel like they're going to be able to figure out and he'll be there in the long term. Um, but, look, you know, it's kind of, you know, it happens a lot in the NBA. You got to make these stars happy. Um, I, I get it. Yeah, you know. Um, he did all he could at that gate round against the Clippers. He had I mean, the injury. Up, yeah, he put up 45 in game oh, yeah. seven. I mean, he did all he could. 
Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I get that. And yeah, he wants kind of that second guy. They thought Porzingis was going to be it, but yeah, you know, who would have thought at that time that the Knicks won that trade? And it really seems like, you know, they're going to win that. It's crazy. To I mean, yeah, yeah. the good one thing is they did give up Tim Hardaway too. And Tim Hardaway had a good year. Yeah. So you might say the Mavericks won the trade, but they haven't, I mean, they, people thought the Mavericks destroyed the Knicks in that trade. They really yeah. did because of the way Porzingis has played. Yeah, you know, and you know, maybe the Knicks saw something, I guess. You, you know, when they, I know Porzingis wanted out of there, but yeah, you know, he wants that second guy, which I understand. And in, you know, we we see it a lot. You got to have that second guy nowadays, the second superstar, to win the, the NBA Finals. And Luca wants that guy, and I know Porzingis wants out of town too. So you know, maybe they get somewhat of a good haul for him, and you know, bring something back for Luca. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Porzingis, I would definitely consider trading Porzingis, but I don't know if a no, team's yeah. going to take on that contract. No, no. I could see the Kings trying to. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You guys get Chris, you guys get Christoph's Porzingis. Oh, man. I could picture that one. I could picture yeah, that one. You guys have to take on that contract, and you guys can't sign anyone for De'Aaron Fox. I could, I could see that yeah. happening. Yeah. I, yep. The Kings. Yep. Yeah, I, typical. I, I totally could. Typical. Somebody did a mock trade like they want some Kings. Guy follow what was mock, you know, had a mock trade for it. Like he wants him. I'm like, oh, please no. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 yeah, you, you, yeah. Christos Porzingis with the contract and he can't stay healthy and his inconsistent play. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying he's, he's a bad player. He's a good player. He's just not as good as people think he is. As, 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 oh, yeah, as he was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. He's not the, yeah, he's a good player, but he's not the superstar that everybody thought. You know, because yeah, look, people are calling him the unicorn. Like, you know, he's so such a unique guy. I would give that title to Jokic, but um, yeah, you know, he just he hasn't been that superstar that everybody thought he was gonna turn out to be. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we're gonna get to before we get to the All NBA teams, we're gonna get to some coaches that got that that uh, Stan Van Gundy tonight today was fired after one year. It will quickly do this. Stan Van Gundy was fired after a year, and Scott Brooks. The, the, the him and the Wizards are agreeing to part ways. They couldn't they couldn't come up with a new con, with a contract extension. So first with Stan Van Gundy, I think Stan the problem with Stan Van Gundy why he keeps losing these jobs is he doesn't connect to players. And in the NBA, you got to got to connect to players. This is in two thousand nine when he got to the NBA Finals, and and his voice was the most important voice. He, this happened with Dwight Howard. He ends up getting fired. Then then with the Pistons, he only lasted three years. He got fired there. The reason he got fired in Orlando is because he didn't get along with Dwight Howard. Now th- th- this year with the with the with the Pelicans. You know, he's called. I remember there was one after one loss to the Knicks. He's completely calling the team out. You can't do that anymore. You're going to lose your job. If Zion wants you out of there, you're going to be out of there. Zion will get you fired because Zion is more important to that organization than any head coach that comes through that organization. I don't care who that coach is. So I think Sam Van Gundy's got to learn. He's got to start being more of a player's coach or he's never going to survive in this league. And really, ever since, you know, the Dwight Howard thing, he's never been the same coach. Absolutely. You know, and I remember a year ago um, when this happened or when they fought out of Gentry, I, I was saying, I think this is going to be a bad move because of the way the Pelicans ended last season. I thought they should have kept them. And I think it set them back to, I, you know, a year or two. It depends who they get it now as a coach. But yeah, I don't, I kind of, it was weird that they brought in Van Gundy because he's not, as you mentioned, he's not a player's coach. Like they kind of need, you know, you had Zion, you kind of want a player's coach for that that team, that young and up and coming team, and they just didn't. And yeah, you know, you're right. I when I was reading, I heard it was tension with the players, and that will get you fired. That will get you. That, that will get are. you. That will get you fired in the NBA. Right. If you have tension with the players, that's getting you fired in the NBA. 
And and he's just oh, never absolutely. learned that. He's never evolved. And that's why he keeps losing jobs because he just hasn't evolved at all. Yeah, absolutely. And if and if he wants to keep going that way, try the college route. That that's that's you know, you can coach in college that way. You're never gonna pan out in the NBA. No, no, not at all. Not at all. That that, that just can't happen in the NBA. Also, Scott Brooks and the Wizards don't agree to a deal. After five years, after he was the coach, he was the coach for five years. I think they might need a coaching change. I think this did that team underachieve with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook and a Roy Archimora. I think that team underachieved this year. I thought they could have been better. I think a coaching change is needed there. Yeah, definitely. I know we got the postseason three out five times, but I think two or three of them they were you know under five hundred. Definitely, you know, it's a team that they were not great defensively. At the, they had some talent to be better than a ten seed um, in the Eastern Conference. You know. And they probably could have been like a top eight, you know, in that each cop. So, yeah, Coach and Shade probably good move in Washington. Absolutely. So we'll wrap up our NBA talk uh, talking about the uh, all-NBA teams. Uh, first first team was uh, – I don't think there's any argument here. Steph Curry had an outstanding year, carried that Warriors team. They were the worst team in the NBA last year, had them right – right had them really close to the playoffs this year. Uh, Luka Doncic, absolutely. He's a top-ten player in the game, clearly. I mean, the guy was phenomenal this year. Just didn't have the help in the postseason to get them to get the Mavericks to the second round. Uh, Giannis, even though we, we we dogged on Giannis beforehand, he's still clearly a top ten player in the league. He's one of the best players in the league getting to the basket. He's great defensively, so he absolutely deserves to be first team. Uh, Kawhi, without question, phenomenal defensively. He's the best. Get a stop. Uh, get a hoop. Get a stop. Uh, uh, let me let me rephrase that. Uh, get a hoop. Make get a stop player in the NBA. So. Absolutely deserves to be from first team. And Jokic, no question, MVP. So, so no argument there. Uh, the, the other two teams, I'm starting to have issues. I mean, obviously, I'll put Dame on the second team. I think he deserves to be on that. Uh, uh, CP3, for his for his value, I probably still put him second team. Uh, LeBron, he only played 45 games. That's the only reason he's second team, because he still would have been first team. And Embiid, I would have had him on the second team, too. The guy I got the biggest problem with being, being second team, and you kind of know who it is, it's Julius Randle. It's Julius Randle because, yes, he had a great regular season, but in the postseason, he looked like anything but a superstar. I mean, do they count? Like, I, don't Sorry, I don't know if they count. I don't think. I don't know if they count postseason. But honestly, okay. to me, Julius Randle is. Not, I mean, he's for an All NBA player. He's at bat. And I'm saying this is a Knicks fan for an All NBA player. He's clearly third team. Nothing better than that. And seeing the guys that got left off the list, which is ridiculous, we'll get to those. Yeah. I mean, there are a, a lot of those players are clearly better than Julius Randle. And then let me go to the third team. The third team I got the biggest issue with. I have a complete issue with. I would get rid of every single guy on that third team. Every single guy. Bradley Beal, gone. You were the second best player on a team that was under 500. I don't care if you led the league in scoring. You were the second best player on a team that was under 500, gone. Uh, Kyrie Irving, sorry. I mean, yes, yes, you're a great scorer, but I still don't think you're a top. You're, you, you, should, you should be on the list over some of these other guys. Uh, Jimmy Butler, come on now. The guy shot under shot under thirty percent from three point range this year. Gone. Uh, I don't care what he did last year in the bubble. Gone. He's not a top fifteen player. Paul George, as of right now, no, absolutely not. I, I think right now Paul George is not a top fifteen player. He could prove me wrong these next in this series if he can get if he can get the Clippers past the Jazz and maybe into the finals. He can prove me wrong there. But as, as of right now, no, he's not a top fifteen player. I don't have him on that list. And then last, the most ridiculous one, the most ridiculous one in my opinion, is Rudy Gobert. The guy cannot score at all. The guy is not a he's, he's averages under 15 points a game. He can't shoot threes. Okay. How is how the heck is he an all NBA player? All right, I get it. He's a great defensive player and he's a good player. There is no way, no way possible 
that Rudy Gobert should be an all-NBA player. That is absolutely ridiculous. I know that this position thing and everything, screw the position thing. Just take the top 15 players and put them as all-NBA players. There's no, there's no way, no way Rudy Gobert should be a top 15 player. He's clearly not even close to the best player on his team. Donovan Mitchell, who didn't make All-NBA, is the best player on his team. It is a joke. It is a joke that Rudy Gobert is an All-NBA player. It, is, it, it couldn't be a bigger joke that Gobert is an All-NBA player. I get rid of that entire, entire third team. And then we look at the snubs. Uh, Devin Booker, he should have been at least, at least second or third team All-NBA. One of the best players on a team with the second best record in the, in the Western Conference. Uh, we look at uh, Trey Young, which is an insult. He's not a top a top NBA player. He completely, completely outplayed Julius Randle in that series against against the Knicks. Completely outplayed Julius Randle. And Julius Randle, and I'm a Knicks fan, I'm saying this, he's second team All-NBA, and Trey Young's not All-NBA. is absolutely ridiculous. Last night, he was the first, on, on Monday night, he was the first Hawks player to have 18 assists since Mookie Blaylock in 1994. He, he Trey Young is a top 15 player in this league. There is no way, no way possible that Trey Young should not be on this list. Uh, Russell Westbrook. Yes, I am not the biggest Russell Westbrook fan, but he averaged a triple double this year. How is he not at least third team All NBA? I don't get. I listen. I'm not. I, I'm one to. I'm a detractor of Russell Westbrook. I think he's one of the worst NBA players to win an MVP. But I, 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 I don't get how he's not on this list. And uh, and uh, and James Harden. Yes, I know Harden only played 44 games. I understand that, and and, and that's why I don't have beef with Kevin Durant not being on the list. That's why I don't be with Anthony Davis not being on the list because they only played half the season. So that might be that might be their prerequisite. They only played half the season. But but uh but but uh James Harden, he should absolutely be. If if, if you're gonna put LeBron on the on the list for playing 45 games, you should at least make James Harden second team for playing 44 games. And then th- then you got the one that bothers me the most, and it bothers me completely, and it should bother Jace a ton too, and that is Donovan Mitchell. How the heck is Donovan Mitchell not an All-NBA player? Are you watching this postseason? This guy's been amazing. He's averaged 30 points per game. Per points, uh, six consecutive times, he's averaged over 30 points a game. How is he not an All-NBA player? So I think this list uh, from, from the second to third team on is not good at all. I think the, the, the third team is complete garbage. I would get everybody off that third team, and I'd, repl- I'd, I'd replace that whole third team, that whole third team on that list. I, that, I, that third team on this list is absolutely terrible. Justin, your thoughts on this list? Yeah, I have. I'm fine with first team, second team with Randall. With how good of a regular season he had, I was okay with him being on the second team. You know, especially the way the third team went, I was okay with it. Um, but I understand where you kind of, you know, you had the issue with it. I just, you know, I don't know if they actually um, count playoff stats or not. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge, you know. Um, I put because I'm not, not trying to take anything away from Gobert because I like his way he rebounds basketball um, and block shots. But I, I think it was one of those things like, oh, okay, you know, we can't leave, you know, we can't put, you know, we have to put at least one Jazz in the top three. Now, I have no idea why it wasn't Donovan Mitchell. It's ridiculous it wasn't Donovan Mitchell. It's I absurd. Know. It's absurdity. You put yeah. Rudy Gobert. You see Rudy Gobert in this series. You want to tell me he's a better player than Donovan yeah. Mitchell? That's a joke. That's an embarrassment. Yeah. I, again, I I'm sitting there to, to to have him kind of behind Paul George and Jimmy Butler. You know, Donovan. You know, I know he missed a month, but they were they were already what like sixty and seventy. You know, like they had the best record throughout the whole year. 
He was such a great player. I thought, you know, he could have been in running, you know, if he didn't get hurt, I thought he could have been in the running to win MVP with how good of a year he had and how good the Jazz were. That is, it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't know. It, it's the media, right? That vote sees like, well, you know, it's like, I, I, I just don't get it. Um, I know they, they have to like match the positions and all that, but it may be better to scrap and just hear the top 15 players in the year. That may make it easy, you know, for all sports to do that. Cause then, yeah, you leave guys out like Donovan Mitchell who are so deserving of being, um, you know, being on the um, all team NBA, even though that could be a blessing in disguise for jazz fans, because I, again, I said it when we we're talking about the jazz game, I think you're getting very, very, very uh, angry Donovan Mitchell tonight. And oh, then I'll just, you know, yeah. And then both Booker and, and Young, I don't know why those two aren't on it either. You know, I, again, I know it's probably because, you know, Paul George and, you know, Jimmy Butler are guys that are known and, and been in the league for a while. So they kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. I, you know, I had put out again, it's, it's not, it's not right. You know, um, those two definitely should have been more deserving. Um, you know, especially because that Heat team underperformed big time. And I know it's, you know, for, for from fatigue from the bubble last year, but that Miami team was should have been a, a lot better than than they were throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, that's our list for the All-NBA. I mean, obviously, big, 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 big uh, next couple of days in the NBA. You got, you got, a, you got a couple games. You got a couple game sixes. Uh, you'll have a couple game sixes in the in these uh, in these series. Maybe a couple game seven. So, really looking forward to the NBA action. But we got to get to baseball and. Uh, we have Major League Baseball cracking down on foreign substances, and the Yankees continue to struggle. But before that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Can you believe it? It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. Fires. Swing and a miss. Right play. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Tune in to the newest show presented by Clovercrest Media. It's OB's Backstop Podcast. Catch it twice a week, every Red Sox series finale on your favorite podcast platform. That is OB's Backstop Podcast. Uh, we, we will get to the Red Sox, uh, but make sure you check that out. If you want anything to know about Red Sox baseball, check out OB's Backstop Podcast. But uh, we'll get to the Red Sox uh, a little bit later, but we got to start with the Yankees, and even though, despite their win last night over the uh, Blue Jays, they just continue to struggle, and the, the, the bats continue to struggle too. And it's even the whole lineup too. I mean, uh, Judge has struggled. Lemayu has, even though he had that big home run, probably his biggest hit of the season on Saturday, he's continued to struggle. I mean, uh, Gary Sanchez has started to hit the ball well, but you know he's been struggling. And really, the lineup, I mean, with the, where they are in run scored, as Cashman said yesterday. We are far below what we thought we were going to be offensively, far below expectations of what we or what this team was going to be offensively. And that's obviously the biggest problem with this team. But also, I think there's more problems. Is really all, Right now in the rotation, I think Kluber's a big loss because, number one, it's when Michael King has started, the team has been 0-3. And another thing is, is realistically, the only guy you can trust in this rotation is, uh, is, is, uh, Garrett, is Garrett Cole because – um, Montgomery was not good last night. I mean, the Yankees were able to come back against the Blue Jays bullpen and win that game. Montgomery wasn't good last night. Uh, Tyone was 
terrible on Saturday. Uh, Herman wasn't good on Sunday. So this rotation is now starting to struggle too, which definitely raises more concern. You can only tra- I know how great, with how great Garrett Cole is, you could really and with the Kluber out, you could really only trust one starting pitcher. I mean, the good thing is to the good thing though is for the Yankees, they did get Zach Britton last night. Got out of a bases loaded jam. Chapman got the save. So I think the bullpen is obviously like it's been for years the strength of this team, but. Still, I know the Yankees. I know I know the Yankees have hit a little bit better, but the way it's gone this year at the plate, and with the lack of depth in the rotation, at this point, it's I know I, to me I've ruled the division out. It's still it's very very hard for me to see this team getting a wild card spot, even though they won last night. It's still hard for me to see. It's still hard for me to see this team get a wild card spot. Absolutely, it is. This team has been so pathetic. It. They are second to last in the American League of run scores, only behind the Detroit Tigers. That's embarrassing. That is embarrassing if you're a Yankee player, a coach. I just, you know, um, it, I've been meaning to bring this up for a few weeks, but I saw a quote a couple weeks ago from this MLB, from a former MLB scout who's, who's in his 70s. He said the New York Yankees have three major league baseball players, DJ LeMahieu, Brett Gardner, and Kyle, Hag- Kyle Hagashioka. He said I mean, everybody else he'd stay away from. He would stay, stay away, away from Judge and Stan because they probably strike out too much. That's probably why. Yeah, yeah. He was kind of an older, you know, you know, you know, older baseball guy. You know, he he would have he wouldn't have drafted those guys, so he wouldn't have wanted to trade for him. And I think that kind of says a lot. It's a, the, the line of construction with this team. It's just there's no, you know, there's no guy that you know besides really Lemayu and Gardner that are just contact guys. You know. And again, it catches up with you when the ball is dead and like it is right now. You know, um, look, they got six runs last night. They kind of got held from the Toronto uh, bullpen, which is just absolutely just horrible. Well, it's got to be one of the worst bullpens I've ever seen a major league team have. Um, but look, it's like, okay, they scored six runs last night. They hit what? Two or three home runs, but they're all solo shots. It's like when they hit home runs, no one's on base. It's, you know. It's it's been pathetic. The starting pitching ERA since I think June first is like six point four six. So, and I and I you know I don't know what that would be if you take out Garrett Cole, but I would I don't want to see those numbers because yeah he's the only guy you can trust right now in this rotation. But it's you know so yeah you score six runs last night, but a guy like Ross Rippling watch he'll go seven you know seven innings of shutout ball tonight. Like you just don't know what lineup's going to show up, and I still don't trust this team. This to score runs, you know, I, and look, going back to last year too, they were 35 and 29. It's not like they, you know, won 40 games last year. It, you know, they weren't great. They kind of had the same problems they did last year and it, it's concerning. And you start to wonder, does it, is it talent? You know, is it just, you know, some of these guys just not as talented as they want once were, you know, in this new kind of new era, I, you know, who knows? I, yeah, but I, Starting to kind of lean towards that that theory, and and Dylan, who's on the roll call podcast, made a great point that this this actually has been this yeah this started last year when the team was not great. They weren't great last year. They didn't have a great. And it was only a sixty game season, but they didn't have a great regular season last year. And it and it's and it's and it's bled into this year. And I think it's Aaron Boone. I think Aaron Boone has got to be fired. I am done with Aaron Boone. I think that's the reason this team is not produced. You can't get rid of twenty five players. You got to get rid of the manager. And if this team continues to play the way that I know they won last night, but if they continue to play the way they've been playing. They got to get rid of the manager. Aaron Boone absolutely needs to go. And I don't want to hear the defense. I saw in a Yankee ch- uh, ch- chat last night, you know, 
oh, we're not going to give Boone credit for pinch running Tyler Wade and, and you know, pinch running Tyler Wade and pinch hitting Clint Frazier and then Clint Frazier at the game again. The team is 34 and 32 and they're favorites to win the American League. I don't want to hear, I don't want to, I'm not giving the manager any credit for that. I'm sorry. The team is underperformed. The, and it's Aaron, Aaron Boone is at fault. And Aaron Boone, you know, was a big reason why they lost that playoff series last year to the Rays when he pulled Debbie Garcia after one inning and, and then, and started Jay Happ. Then Jay Happ gave up four runs. So I, I, he contributed to them losing in five to the Rays last year. So I, I don't want to hear about, I don't want to hear the Aaron Boone defense anymore. Right now, I, if, if this continues, I want Aaron Boone gone. And I, and I said it last week, and I'm going to keep saying it. Absolutely. You know, he, he, you know, he should. And the only thing is, though, is I know he's an absolute puppet, and he can, and, and Aaron Boone knows baseball, so he could not have been dumb enough to put Ruben, Ruben O'Dor in the third three-hole. Like, that had to be, you know, either Cashman or somebody in the analytical. Of course, of course. You know, they need, they, need, they need that, you know, lefty-righty thing because, you know, we got to overthink it all the time. Just put your best hitters in a row. Who cares about lefty-righty? I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of hearing about lefty-righty with all these analytics. I'm tired of it. I don't mind analytics, but I'm tired of this lefty-righty nonsense. Just just, just, just hit your best hitters in a row and, and build your lineup that way. Not, oh, we got to put a, we got to put a, we got to put a lefty between Judge and Stan because, you know, you know, you know, that's what the analytics say. We need the pitcher to, you know, we need, we need you know, we need the pitcher to have a, we, we don't want to have, you know, three right-handed hitters all hitting in, in, in a row, which is total nonsense. Yeah. Stop it with the analytics and just play the game. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous, and I, I can't stand it. So that's why it's like, okay, if they fire Boone, it's like that's very hypocritical, though, on Cashman because he's not really running the game. You know, Boone's not really running the show here. Now, I do agree, though. He's got to he's gotta stop being such a player's manager, and I, I know that's not the thing anymore. You, you know, like you're not supposed to be the drill sergeant, but you got to find a good medium because, again, you know, they're 34 and 32. They're on pace to win 83, 83 games. You're probably going to have to win about 90 games to, to make a walk. That may be that may be on the short end. Like you got to start drilling at some of these guys, and, and Boone's not the guy to do it. Now, look, I don't know if Mendoza, Mendoza would be that guy if they even did fire him. I don't know if Nate, uh, Phil Nevin would be that guy if they fired him. But um, it, it, you know, Boone's got to really. He's got to. I wish, and I know it's the the front office, but he knows baseball. He played in the league. You know, he's a third generational. Yeah, I mean, his, his brother played. His dad was a manager and played. So, yeah, he's a third generation. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he knows the game yeah, of baseball. Yeah. Stop being a puppet with the front office. Start doing what yeah. you want to do. But the problem is he's not going to stand up for himself. He's going to be a puppet to this front office, which fired the manager, which fired uh, the guy whose team swept us this weekend, Joe Girardi, yeah. who they should have never fired. That was one of Cashman's out – of, out of the 20 years he's been with the Yankees, one of Cashman's biggest mistakes was firing Joe Girardi. I would have loved to have seen what Joe Girardi would have done with this team, especially when they got John Carlos Stanton in 2018 and when they got Garrett Cole in 2020. I would have loved to have seen what Joe Girardi would have done with this team, but they didn't let it happen because, you know, they, they didn't want to give Girardi another contract. I just thought another horrible move by Brian Cashman. Probably as well, Cashman's a Hall of Fame GM. That was a terrible move by Brian Cashman firing Joe Girardi, and, 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 and it's showing up now. It definitely showed up this weekend when Girardi swept us this weekend. Yep. Absolutely. You know, because Sunday they just looked absolutely lifeless and – you know Girardi wanted to get them this weekend. He'll be back in uh, mid-July or after the All-Star break. They'll, they'll come like the week after. But, yeah, you know, Girardi wanted this game this weekend. It seems wanted it. Yeah, and that's a Philly team that's underperforming, hasn't really played well. They just haven't gotten it together, and they sweep you. And, again, this is, you know, bringing all playing in National League ballpark. 
Stan finally gets high in Minnesota. You have to make up and win some games. Put them in the outfield. Oh, that, that was anyways. That was ridiculous on Sunday. That was absurd on Sunday when they didn't have Stanton or Judge. I knew when I saw that lineup, they're going to lose that game. When you don't have Stanton and Judge in the lineup against Aaron Nola, I mean, I know Aaron Nola's had not had a great year, but you don't have those guys in the lineup. Are you kidding me? That's another reason why you should be fired. Uh, giving them absolutely. the day off uh, when we're two, when we're only two games over five hundred. That is absurd. That is just absolutely ridiculous. Just put put the guys in the field. It's absurdity. That's another reason why this guy should be fired. Absolutely. And, and think about it, too. I know this is way – we're looking way ahead here. But September um, 9th through 11th, they play the Mets. And they're going to have to win some games in September. And the Mets are probably going to be battling for division. Are you really going to bench Stanton for three games if he's healthy when you're battling for a wild card spot? you got to have – you know, you can't keep protecting them and hope that, you know – again, if they get injured, they get injured. At least they're on the field. You know, he's a good enough outfielder. He played with the Marlins for years. He's used to being in the outfield. Uh, you know, you, you can't protect these guys forever. You, you got to put them in the field. It's ridiculous. And I just, you know, it just, just no sense of urgency. Just, just no. no emotion, no urgency. And that's, that's, that's a big issue. And we'll see if last night's uh, comeback turned things around. But seeing the way the season's been going, I don't think it's going to. But looking at the road ahead, I think tonight should be a win because obviously they got the stopper. They got Garrett Cole going against Stripling. And, and then this crowd in Buffalo, which is a break for the Yankees. This crowd – and the Blue Jays got to be uh, upset about this. When they got to play about playing the Yankees in Buffalo, because this crowd in Buffalo is pro-Yankees. I was watching right. the game last night. That crowd is pro, pro-Yankees. That's, basically, that's three extra home games. You're taking three home games away from the away from the Blue Jays, and you're giving those home games to the Yankees. So that was definitely a pro-Yankee crowd last night, and that's why I think Garrett Cole wins tonight. Uh, but tomorrow night, I think they take two out of three from the Blue Jays because I think they lose tomorrow night because they always lose in Michael King pitches. And honestly, I don't have faith against them against the A's this weekend with Bob, against Bob Melvin's team. I think they lose two out of three looking at who's pitching, looking at the fact Montgomery's pitching, look at the fact Tremont's pitching, and look at the fact Tyone's pitching. And Tyone was absolutely terrible. He's the guy who's got to get taken out of the rotation if when Severino comes back because he's absolutely got to be gone because he's absolutely horrible on Sunday against the Phillies. So, yeah, so you got Tyone, Herman, and Montgomery pitching this weekend, and then you got Manaya and Bassett pitching for the uh, for the, for the A's. So I, I think the A's take two out of three. So I think after Monday, I think this team, I think I think the team loses after tonight. I, tonight when they win, I think they lose three out of four. I just think that, but that's just realistic the way the season's been going. Absolutely, you know Thursday night they go up against uh, Anthony K, the UConn product. He's not been great, but again, yeah, you, you never know what the Yankee lineup, and yeah. You know, they, they usually beat up on the A's, but I, I don't really see it this time around. The A's are playing really well. Bob Melvin just got his contract extended through next year. So, again, uh, they'll be playing for him this weekend. Yeah, I could see them lose two out of three against the A's. Again, I I, I thought King pitched better at the end of the Red Sox game. So, and how, with how bad Anthony K has, K has been, I feel like they should be able to sweep the Blue Jays. Now, again, I, I think, you know, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, uh, I'm not very confident on that happening, but I think they should. And, yeah, they, they probably lose two out of three against the eight. And maybe 50,000 people this weekend booing this team. Maybe that sparks them. We'll see. You know, we'll see yeah. what happens. This, we'll see what happens this weekend for the Yankees. But before we get to the Red Sox, we got to talk about a player that the Yankees are playing this week. And the Reds, and he owned the Red Sox at Fenway this week. And that's Flag Guerrero Jr. I mean, the guy was absolutely phenomenal. He had a home run in every game in that series. Hit the home run to tie the game on Monday night. Right now, Justin, I'm asking you this question. With 22 home runs, which leads the major leagues, the 56 RBIs, which leads the major leagues, and with a 354 batting average, is 
is uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, the best player in baseball? I'm going with yes right now. You know, Trout's been hurt. You know, Tatis, he's been good, but um, you know, he's been playing really well. But, you know, Vlad's just – he's the type of guy he does not miss on – you know, he's so disciplined. I think he only chases like 14% of the time. He, you know, um, he's just – um, his swing is just so – I love his swing so much. I know he got that from his dad, and, you know, he was taught very well. Um, that that one on Monday night, Barnes just kind of left the hang – you know, his curveball didn't really move that well, and he hit that thing 450. I think he is. Right now, I know it's obviously mid-June, but, you know, he'd be in, he'd be in the lead right now for the triple crown. And you know, losing the 40 pounds has been the best thing that Vlad Guerrero has done in – it's a great thing for baseball that you got Black, you know, Black Girl Jr., the son of, you know, one of the best Hall of Famers in Black Girl. It's it's great for the sport. Oh yeah, it's great. And, and you got Tatis Jr. seeing what he's doing with the Padres. I mean, the two, yeah. the two, the two, the two uh, sons of, of. I mean, obviously, Black Girl was definitely a better player than Tat than Tat than Fernando Tatis was. But, uh, uh, but yeah, to see those two sons playing the way they are, being these stars in baseball right now, is is great for the game. Oh yeah, one hundred percent, and it is. And then I think for with how hot Vlad's been, I know last night a rough one, but it's like at the point, like even the Red Sox guy was talking about, it, it's like, do we just give him the Barry Bonds treatment? Of yeah, do you just do you, do, do you watch him with no one on, even to put the winning run winning run up? They're probably talking about that Monday night when he hit the home run off Barnes. Oh yeah, they they, they were just kind of going after T. Oscar Hernandez and said, yeah, you know, it, it, he's just been that hot and it's it's great and you know he's got a great eye, um, you know. Again, he put the ball in play, hit bombs. It's it's been a joy to watch, and it's it's really it's it's been great that because I remember watching his debut in kind of that rookie year, and it was like okay, it's cool to see him, but we didn't get what we expected from him. Now we're now we're getting you know the superstar that we all hoped and wanted to see out of him. Absolutely, and and I, still still. absolutely. I remember I watched him three years ago at Dunkin' Donuts Park hit a home run uh, down the left field line. I mean, so. Uh, I mean, he, he, he's, he, I knew he was going to be great right when I saw him because on that, on that Fisher cat team, New Hampshire Fisher cat team, it was Vlad Guerrero, Boba Shett. It was played really well too. And then Kevin Biggio, who hasn't, who was probably definitely the worst out of the three guys. But I remember when he, when he, uh, when he smoked that ball down, down the left field line, I'm like, and he was only, she was only 19 at the time. I said, this kid is going to be special. And he is right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. He he's been you know he's been he's been that now, and it, it's great to see. And you know, um, he's been able to stay on the field. He's been able to stay healthy. Hopefully, he came for 162 games, and it'd be great to see the Blue Jays make a run at this thing. But I, I think the bullpen's gonna be the one that that costs them the shot to make a bullpen. Yeah. And bullpen and rotation isn't good enough. Rue is. Hey, Rue is a good pitcher. He's not a great pitcher. And he proved that last night. He only went six in. He went six innings, gave up three runs. He proved that last night. But yeah, the bullpen's going to hold him back and the rotation's going to hold him back because that team can swing it. As you saw this weekend at Fenway Park, that team could swing it. But the bullpen and rotation is definitely going to hold the Blue Jays back. Absolutely. And it's, it's, oh, you know, it's sad to see because that's a team I want to see in the postseason. But, you know, hopefully they can make some moves. I, I'd go after, get Jose Barrios from Minnesota, do whatever you can to. Woke up that rotation at least, and then bullpen arms. Bullpens aren't that hard to get in, in, at the trade deadline, so hopefully they can grab one or two. And we have, yeah, we have breaking news out of the NBA, and we just talked about this. Donnie Nelson and the Mavericks mutually agree to part ways, so you now know something's happening in Dallas right now. We'll, we'll get back to the baseball, but Donnie Nelson and the Mavericks 
mutually agreed to part ways. So now you know there's something going on with the Luka Doncic situation. You know this was a real thing because now with Donnie Nelson's gone and they're going to get a new GM, they know 10 years of missing of not winning a playoff series isn't enough. They know two years of not of not winning a playoff series without Luka Doncic, that's enough. Donnie Nelson out. I think, I, in my opinion, he got fired, but they say mutually part of ways because he was there for a while, but I think he's out as Mavericks GM. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They say part way. Who knows? Yeah. 23 years of the organization. And he kind of, and, see obviously, and obviously, you know, his, you know, his dad, uh, and you know, his dad, uh, he was a huge, he was the coach of the Mavericks for a while too. So yeah. So yeah. Donnie Nelson out as Mavericks GM. Yeah. And yeah. You know, there is something going on and hopefully that, you know, obviously it's a player's league now. And that's another example of why it is, you know, the, the player rules over anybody nowadays and, you're not getting along, they'll get rid of the front office and set it, you know, over the players, 100%. Absolutely, absolutely. So back to baseball. And back to what I saw at Dunkin' Donuts Park, because we're going to talk about another guy that I saw star at Dunkin' Donuts Park. And that was uh, and that was, Rafa, that was Rafael Devers. I remember I was at D.D. Park in 2017. First ever game at Dunkin' Donuts Park I went to. First ever Yargos game I went to. He hit a ball into the into the upper deck in right field. And he is, and he just like Vlad Guerrero Jr., he has proved to be a stub with the Red Sox. And he definitely has proved it recently, too. He had that game-winning hit, especially this week. He had that game-winning hit on Monday night. We know all know how he set the tone for that series against the Yankees and, and when he hit that three-run homer in, in the first game of that series. And we also – and last night he hit that big three-run homer and set the tone against, against, the, against the Braves. The Red Sox, they've been a little bit up and down recently. Because, and I think a big reason for that is because of the starting pitching. I feel like the starting pitching has really been, you know, very shaky for this team, and they're going to need to get Chris Sale back immediately because that definitely is the one weakness of this team. Bullpen, a little bit of leakage there. Matt Barnes, a little bit inconsistent at closer. Blew a couple saves in the last couple weeks, but he's still a good closer. But this lineup, Verdugo's been all they've, all they've asked for from – they've gotten all they asked for from Alec Verdugo, especially this week with the game-winning hit he had against the Blue Jays and the, then the game – then the uh, big three-run home he had last night against the Braves. Uh, obviously, you got the three guys with 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 uh, Victor Martinez with no, I mean JD Martinez. I was just going with Victor Martinez from years ago. JD Martinez uh, and uh, Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. This offense has been really good. And right now, the Red Sox two games out of first place. Alex Cora has done a, the opposite. Of Aaron Boone. Alex Cora has done a phenomenal job. Mm. And this team right now, with the glass now, I don't ask this, I'll ask this question a little bit late when we get to it. Uh, with the glass now injury, this team right now is in position to possibly win the AL East. Absolutely. And the Chris Sale, it sounds like he's at, he asked the Red Sox if instead of going to make rehab starts down in the minor leagues, if he can come out of the bullpen with the Red Sox and, and, and bulk, you know, and just kind of uh, kind of bulk up that way. That that would be very scary if you're somebody in the American League East and he can come back earlier coming out of the bullpen. Um, they do need the help. Um, uh, at, um Evaldi on uh, Monday night was a, it was the first time since June first I believe that they had a starting pitcher go more than five innings. It, it's been the it's been the rotation. Perez got lit up like a Christmas tree Sunday. Oh, Pavetta wasn't good either. Pavetta, who has got off to a good start, was not good on front on Saturday either. No, he wasn't. Perez just left fastballs on the middle for the Blue Jays, and they just took advantage. Erod last night, his stuff was better. I don't want to hear like about selection. I, I don't want to hear about Erod's stuff. Erod has been pathetic this year. I don't want to hear about his stuff. I don't care what the Red Sox announce, announcers say about his stuff. Those guys are homers. Okay, I, I want to. I want results, and Erod is not giving results. Erod has been absolutely terrible this year. He has, and I, you know, they, they kind of took it last night as kind of maybe a stepping stone. 
um, because well, because one of the things was with of his pitches was it was his changeup. He was throwing that like eighty seven throughout the year, and the Red Sox made wanted to get down to eighty three, and he was, and it was effective. He just kept trying. His fastball was finally on last night, but he just kept trying it, and he just I think he got a little greedy with it, and the Braves took advantage when it you know they were kind of looking for it. Um, but I, I thought he, I thought the stuff was there. It was more the selection last night. We'll, we'll see what the next start brings, but I thought it was a bit better. And yeah, that lineup, even Hunter Renfro hit another home run last night. Renfro, like too. Even Renfro stepping up. Yeah. I mean, that lineup has been the reason why this team has came back and had success. And it's, and it showed you it's, it's the reason why the Mookie Betts trade doesn't and, seem that bad because it's because of the Renfros and the Verdugos who've yeah. replaced that production for them, for what that bets gave them. I think, yeah, I think we might have lost Justin there, but yeah, it's it's the, yeah. The, the, Joe, you back, Justin? You you back, Justin? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, even yeah, like Renfro is a nice pickup. Like even Dahlback and Bassett are making adjustments. They're choking up on the bat now. They've been trying to put the ball more in constant, you know, in play. It's just kind of the whole lineup. They they they've adjusted, and it's something that. Um, it, it's really helped and they kind of, they figure out ways after the first time around that, how they're going to beat you and get to that pitcher the second time around. And it's, it's been working, you know, that's a dangerous lineup, you know, two, you know, two to two through six. If they, if those bottom three can kind of get going just a bit more and they can find a permanent leadoff guy, it's, it, it's going to be a scary rotation, especially because Devers and Bogarts are, are still really young and you know, that, it's very scary being a Yankee fan that you're probably going to have to face those guys the next more than a decade. Absolutely. That's the thing. That's why they didn't sign uh, They didn't sign Mookie Betts. They want to pay Mookie Betts all that money, a player that hasn't been consistently great. They want to pay him all that money. They want to put that money into starting pitching, which they're going to need, and their bullpen, which they're going to need. Because the lineup is pretty much set. You know, they got to improve the starting pitching in the bullpen if they want to be a World Series, a perennial World Series contender for that team. So we look at the road ahead for the Red Sox. Tonight, Garrett Richards against Ian Anderson. I think they split with the Braves, and I think they take two out of three from the Royals. Uh, we look at this week against the Royals. Pavetta's going Friday. Perez is going on Saturday, and Evaldi's going Sunday. The big week for the Red Sox, we'll be talking about is next week, is they got that three-game set with the Rays, and they got three with the Yankees. So that's a big, big week for the Red Sox next week. Yeah, next week is a huge week, definitely. Um, I do think Ian Anderson's pitched well this year, so I do think the Braves bounce back tonight, get the win. And, yeah, they should be able to take two or three from the Royals. It's been a team that's been – very inconsistent. They should be able to take two out of three from them because Benetendi, who started to get really hot, just got went on the IL. So um, Red Sox kind of catch a break seeing their former teammate there. But, yeah, Red Sox should take two out of three this weekend. Absolutely, absolutely. So the last story in baseball is going. we're going to talk about it. It's going to, we're, it's going to connect to each other because, obviously, Glassnell is going on the, on the IL for the race. Uh, so uh, f- first we'll talk about him going on the IL. We'll talk about the impact and how that's going to impact the AL East if you just talk about the Red Sox. And the question I'll ask you, Justin, is do, do, can the Red Sox win this division now that Tyler Glass now is out? I think next week's going to tell, tell, tell the story there. Yeah, definitely. I think it definitely will. But we know this race team, and I know you just lost your race, and that, that is a huge loss. And, you know, and now it's, you know, but they always find a way, though, like, like they always have, like I know they have Luis Couton who may come up now, um, but one of the top guys they got from in the um, Blake Snell deal. Like they always just find that next guy to step up. Now, obviously, you're replacing your age, which is going to be very, very tough. They may get Chris Archer back soon too, because I think he's supposed to be taking the mound any day now. 
Um, so with this rate, and they've been so so hot lately, um, I could see the Red Sox catching and beat them because you do need that ace, especially when you get to August, September, because – Unfortunately, I, I we've seen these before with glass on. I think he's probably going to need Tommy John surgery. I hope he probably gets it sooner rather than later so he can come back quicker. But I think the Reds like to make a run on him. But obviously next week is such a huge week, and we're going to learn a lot about where both teams are going to be sitting. Absolutely, because those three games are in Tampa. So that's, that's a huge, huge series uh, next week between those two teams. But the biggest thing with Tyler Glass now is I think he blamed the injury on the new rule the MLB is putting in, which a player will get a 10-game suspension for using a foreign substance. In my opinion, I think that they should have waited to implement this rule until the end of the season. I think they should have, you know, let the pitchers do what they got to do this year. Wait to implement that rule, implement that rule in the offseason so the pitchers can prepare for it. That's why I think Glassnow's comments were right when he said that we had no time to prepare for it. And he said that was a big reason why he had his injury. I got two questions, Justin. Do you like this rule? Uh, first, I'll say, do you think this rule impacted Glassnow's injury? And do you like this rule coming in now? Um, you know, first with Glassnow, I'm on the fence about it because I know he was kind of saying with the grip and all that, um, you know, and he had to really um, – he, he said he had to change his four-seam fastball um, and his curveball kind of grips. I'm kind of – you know, I, I could see why – and I was listening to like Al later and a couple other major league pitchers and they weren't really, they, you know, they didn't really believe that that's the reason why I see what he meant. But when I was listening to like lighter and all those guys, I felt like maybe, you know, maybe it's kind of just throwing it out there to scapegoat. I'm, but I'm kind of on the fence. I could see it either way. Um, but yeah. Um, so I'm kind of on the fence about that one. The second one I'm, I'm with you. I hate the way that, how they implemented this during the middle of the season. It's just not the right time. And, you know, again, and I think this is where Glassell maybe has a point where, yeah, you're going to have to grip the ball a lot differently. Uh, you know, and also listen to former, you know, major league pitchers. They were saying you go up to Colorado and, you know, it, if, if it's a dry night, like in, um, you don't have anything to put in the ball. It's like you're throwing a cue ball. You know, there's no movement and everything's just going to, you know, you're just everything's gonna be a hanger. So, you know, I think they should be able to allow them to do something. I thought maybe they should experimented with some things of how to make it where they can use some sticky stuff since, but like not the spider tack or anything. Like I heard rosin and like the sunscreen, not you know, I I even heard them too saying you know a lot of the major league former guys use that, and you know, why can't they allow that to be in? So I I. I don't like it. They should they should have waited to the offseason to do something like this. Yes, I agree. I agree there. So we got some big name players in the NFL holding out. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Which
is Joeling about the G-Men. Catch that every Wednesday at 6. Catch that tonight with uh, Jace Garcia, Joe Aguirre, and Isaiah Groves and Sean Scanlon. So check that out. Joeling about the G-Men. But we got to get to the NFL holdouts, and we'll get to the one that we'll get to the one with the team north of us with the New England Patriots and Stefan Gilmore. And uh, he was not at mandatory minicamp yesterday. And of course, Belichick doesn't even care at all. He just says, oh, we'll, we'll, I don't expect him there. We care. We're, we're worried about the guys who are here. You know, Belichick, you know, as cold as he is in his press conference, says we just care about the guys that are here. And uh, two, two questions, just uh, one of the big question is here is Justin is, is, uh, do you think the it, it is in the best in the it is in the Patriots' best interest to end up trading him, Be, knowing it's knowing he's on the final year of his contract and he's not a training camp? Yeah, for me, um, of everything I've I've kind of read, I think they may get something done. Um, now the thing is, it's you know because Gilmore wants like Darius Slay money, so like a three year, fifty million dollar contract he wants around. Right now, they have the, the Patriots have sixteen million right now in cap space. Um, you know, for the remaining of this year. So I think they could get it done if they want to. Um, you know, I know he's only getting $7 million right now. I, I think in the end, I think they may be able to get something done. I, you know, because even actually going back to Monday, Bill press conference, he made an excuse to the guys that weren't there. He said, oh, yeah, some of the guys haven't arrived yet. They won't arrive to tomorrow because of the weather um, over the weekend. And, and, you know, they had some issues traveling-wise, which is very odd to hear Bill say that. Um, I, I could see that. I think they get something done with Gilmore um, in the end. You know, um, I, I hope he does because, I, you know, um, he's one of the best corners in the game. And I think it's a huge boost to have him as a number one. Absolutely. Yes. And last year, according to Pro Football Focus, it was definitely his worst year with the Pats. J.C. Jackson had a really good year, but you have to be fair about that and say, you know, uh, Gilmore's covering is going up against D.K. Metcalf and going up against the and DeAndre Hopkins. He's going up against the best receivers on on every team in the league. So is he, he at times he, his grade his PPF grade will go down. Or J.C. Jackson, he's facing the number two receiver, his his BFF grade will go will go up. So I think J.C. J.C. Jackson is good, but I think yes, new, the Patriots. May want to get some value for him if this thing gets really ugly, but I think the Patriots should definitely wait this out and get him on the field because if everything works with Cam Newton, this team could be a really good football team this year. If that's a big question, if everything works out with with Newton, I don't think it, it's going to. But if if it does with the coaching staff, I think this could be a very good team this year. So I would hold off. I may be trading Stephon Gilmore, but if this thing gets really bad, you may just have no choice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and because we saw, you know, what Jason Jack JC Jackson was as a one last year, he got burnt. You know, he got burned a few times. So it worries me if he's going to have to be our number one. Uh, and, yeah, so, yeah, obviously Gilmore, tough as assignment. And, uh, yeah, I know it was probably his worst year. I know he's kind of battling injuries throughout the year and all that. He missed a few games. But uh, I, I thought he did, you know, a, a pretty good job on most of the ones that he had to face. I thought he did a pretty good job there. And, yeah, you know, if, if – He's not going to be, and if he doesn't want to be on the street and he wants to get traded, then definitely go ahead get get some value for him. Because, yeah, you know, again, I think the, de- the defense is good enough. It's about the offense, and I don't know if you've seen videos of Cam. He can't I know. he can't hit guys ten yards on the field. Despite what Bill has been saying about him, he's he's he's, he's light years ahead of where he was last year. Despite what Bill's saying about him, uh, he's not. He did not look good in camp. But I, I take I don't take a lot of stock on how a guy looks in training camp. I'll see how he looks once the season starts. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. But again, if you can't hit a wide open receiver with no defenders, that that does worry. That does and, very. Does and, and, a lot. and you know, as a Patriot fan, that was a big problem last year. Yeah. 
Oh, yes, it was. So I, I heard even I heard Mac Jones, it may be getting thrown in the fire right now. He's getting even more reps. So, uh, you know, we'll. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. As we, I think we might have lost Justin there, but yeah, we'll definitely yeah we'll definitely be talking about what yeah, happens you know, with the. You back, Justin? Justin, you back? You know, yeah, you know it's. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was yeah. I kind of um, yeah, Gilmore, you know, get some value if they they need to. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens if there. We'll see what. Traded. Exactly. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening there. But we got to talk about, you know, a couple other guys holding out. Jamal Adams, he was – they said it was an excused absence yesterday, but he's on the final year of his deal. Chandler Jones was on the final year of his deal. And then uh, Xavier and Howard, who's, uh, who's still got, I think, three or four years left on his deal because he signed a five-year uh, – he signed a five-year extension uh, in 2019. So I think he's got about three or four years left on his deal. So I, I think out of those three guys, I think obviously the most likely to get – a big contract, you know, I mean, even though they don't pay safeties a ton in this league is going to be Jamal Adams. I think he'll be the guy who gets the big contract because, uh, you know, Jandler Jones come off an injury. Uh, Xavier Howard, there's still years left on his deal. I don't know if Miami's going to want to want to, uh, want to give him a new contract uh, to restructure his deal. But I think obviously, I think it's a pretty obvious answer. And I'm going to ask this question to you, Justin, the guy who I think is going to get paid He's going to be Jamal Adams because the Seahawks last offseason gave up two first-round picks for him. I know he doesn't play a premier position in this league, but he also led their team in sacks, and he's also really good against the run. Now his coverage, he wasn't great in coverage last year, but he's still one of the top safeties in football. So I think it's obvious he's going to be the guy who's more than likely going to get paid. But out of these three guys, Jones, uh, Adams, and Howard, who do you think is the guy who's, going to, who's, more, who's most likely to get a new contract? I'm with you with Jalen Adams um, – or Jamal Adams um, – yeah, you know, obviously they gave up the two first rounders. Um, you know, I know he wants like pass rush or money. What sounds like what he wants. Um, and I know like the Seahawks too. I know there's been some times where they've kind of weighed the last second two to kind of extend their guys. I think the Seahawks know for their defense they need him. You know, they again without him, they're they, that defense would be, you know, it's not great already, but it, it'd be even worse. So yeah, I'm with you. I think at the end, um, they Jamal Adams will be the one that. Yeah, gets paid out of the three of them. Howard doesn't make much because he's almost 30. He still has four or five years left. I don't get why Miami would restructure that for him. And, yeah, Jones coming off the injury, they have Watt, I know, for a year. But, you know, I, I think Adam makes some more sense because he is one of the best states of this game. As you mentioned, it's not a premier position, but he is one of the best. And that, that defense needs all the help it can get. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what ends up happening with these holdouts. I mean, we'll see if Gilmore gets back to camp, but Bill doesn't expect him there. And we'll see what happens to the other, these other three guys. I mean, we'll see what ends up happening there. But we got to get to hockey and the uh, NHL playoffs. And uh, last night, the Lightning beat the Islanders 4-2 to two to tie the series up at a game apiece. Islanders beat the Lightning game 1-2-1. to two to one. At this point, Justin, who has the edge in the series, the Lightning or the Islanders? Right now, maybe a surprise, but I, I think the Islanders do. I, I really do. I think I think you know the Islanders. Uh, they should be able to take care of it at home. I could see Tampa Bay winning one game on the road, but I can't see them winning two at NASA Coliseum. You know, I, I could see this thing going back to Game um, Five at Tampa with the Islanders being up three-one. Um, you know, the Islanders kind of got outplayed last night. I know. Both teams probably got a, a um, you know, both, you know, it, two bad calls, and both teams kind of took advantage with a goal piece. So, 
Um, I thought that, and you figured last night too, the Lightnings were going to play, you know, we're going to come out guns a blazing like they did. They dominated that first like 10 minutes. The Islanders were able to put a goal, you know, um, early on because of a, of a penalty, the goal interference, which was not goal interference, but um, again, I think the Islanders should, I, I think it's the Islanders. I and mean, even Tampa Bay's the better team. Tampa Bay, too, since um, last year in the postseason, they're 12-0 now following a loss. So, you know, um, they played well. They finally – so um, right now I do I do like the Islanders the way they're playing. But last night was a tough one. You feared the Lightning were going to win, but I think they bounced back tomorrow night in NASA. Yeah, I, mean, I think this is, you know, a really, really even series between these two teams, but I still got the Lightning win because I picked him to win the Cup last week, so I'll stick with that. But I got another question about the series. What do, uh, two, two questions. What do the Lightning have to do to win this series? What do the Islanders got to do to win this series? For the Lightning, um, I think if they could get out of game four with a split, I think it's such a huge win for them because um, with how good the Islanders have just have been at home and how loud and how energetic that – you know, the Coliseum has been lately. Um, I, I think it's a huge win if they could steal either game three or game four. Um, and then also for them, um, just, you know, just um, stay out of the box because when it's a five-on-five -five game, the Tampa Bay Lightning are so much better. They have so much such more talent. Braden Point already has 10 goals and five assists. Kucherov already has five goals and 17 assists. Like, th those two – the top line have been unbelievable. Um, so if the if the Lightning just if they can just play even hockey, they should be able to win the series for the Islanders. Um, I think it's fast start again tomorrow night. You got to be able to put a goal up first. Um, you know, get keep that crowd in, into it, get that crowd going. Um, you know, it's gonna make all the difference. And then it's got to be Verlama. Um, yeah, well, last night he got elbowed in the head by kind of his own guy. Um, pushed point in in the Volomov. He missed the rest of the first period. He came back, but I think he's a difference maker though because I think Tampa Bay is going to get a ton of shots. The Islanders blocked eighteen, and the Lightning still at forty four shots. You know, he's going to have to stand on his head to win this series. I think he's good enough to do it, but it's going to be a tough task. It's, it's got to be Volomov. Uh, um, he, he's got to be a brick wall in that. So we'll go to the other series, the other semifinal series between the Canadians and the Golden Knights. I think this was pretty obvious. The Golden Knights beat the Canadians four to one. Uh, do the Canadians have any shot in this series? No, and I don't know how much you watched uh, Game One, but I watched very minimal of Game One. Didn't watch very little of Game One. I don't think I watched Game One okay. at all. Okay, well, again, it is a total mismatch. It's it's night and day between the, the Canada teams and the, in the U.S. teams right now. You know, uh, the pace of play, Montreal just was not ready for it. The physicality, Montreal was just not ready for it. Um, I, I think Vegas now is like a minus 1,000 favorite to win the series. Like, it, again, they're, they're a huge favorite. Um, you know, again, I, I don't see the Canadians having much of a chance. Carrie Price could steal a game or two. You know, but that that's about it. This Montreal has just not seen anything like this this year. And you could see it really affected them. They they had a lot of problems on um on um Monday night. Why is the play so bad with the Canadian teams? It's just the pace, it's just I don't you know, they just haven't 
Toronto was the best team, and Toronto's not, you know, I, Toronto wasn't, Toronto was mediocre at best, I felt like. You know, they had 77 points. You know, the, you know, like they, um, I just didn't think they, which is pretty good, but, you know, you look, they kind of had one line um, with the Matthews line. The Oilers are the same thing. They have one line. Winnipeg, they had talent, but not a lot. Montreal is so young, and it was goaltending. You know, um, it was Montreal was able to kind of slow down the top lines of every team. It's just the talent's just not there, and it's unfortunate because, you know, it's been a decade since the Canadian teams had made the Stanley Cup. And, you know, hockey hockey is so popular up there, but their teams had just – they're just not that good. It's unfortunate, but they have some superstars. It's just they don't have enough around. Yeah, that's the funny thing is the last time a Canadian team made the Stanley Cup was the Canucks in 2011, and that was former Ranger coach. Uh, uh, Elaine Vigneault. Elaine Vigneault was head coach, and that leads us oh, to our next. What do you say? Oh yeah, no. he was after. Yes. Yeah, yeah Vigneault yeah. was after Tortorella. Right. Vigneault actually got them to the cup in 2014. So yeah, Vigneault was, was because he was the coach of the Canucks in 2011, who lost to the Bruins in the Stanley Cup. Got fired in 2013 from the Canucks, ended up becoming the Rangers head coach, and that leads us right. to our next point. Our, our next point with the Rangers and and a, and a new head coach is they hire Jared Gallant, Daryl Gallant, as their new head coach. We know he got the the, the Vegas Golden Knights to the Stanley, Stanley Cup final against the Capitals in 2018. Got fired in 2000 uh, in 2020 for a, and uh, Dirk DeBoer got hired. And but do, do you like this hire, Justin? I mean, I I kind I I've seen okay, it's kind of actually similar to the Vigneault hire because you remember when Tortorella got fired in 2013, they brought Vigneault in who got to a Stanley Cup with the Canucks. Mm-hmm. But I know the team isn't anywhere near as good. But he got to the he got to the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, with the Canucks in 2011, so we hire another coach who gets to the Stanley Cup Finals and Jared Gallant. Uh, so, do you like? I, I kind of like this hire because you got an expanded team to the Stanley Cup Finals. Do you like this hire for the Rangers? I love this hire. You know, um, I thought he got an unfair rap when Vegas fired him last year. I know they were kind of mediocre before that, but I thought he did a lot for that city to get that team where they were. Um, he just came back. It took a while because he just came back and because um, he won the gold medal. Canada's national team. That's why it took a little bit um, to hire them. Um, but you know, Canada started 0-3. They come back. They won the gold cup. Um, he's a guy. He's a he's a hockey lifer. He loves it. He played it. You know, he's got a lot of coaching experience. He knows how to talk to the veteran guys. He knows how to talk to the younger guys. Um, you know, he's gonna have your back. Um, he's a guy that you know. He's a guy that's is a player's coach, but it's also a drill sergeant when he has to be which I like and it's what you need. I feel like in pro sports nowadays um, to, to have it work, but I'm very, very excited to have, have him on board here. Um, again, he's a guy that's going to be able to take them to the next step. Um, and yeah, I think the Rangers made a home run higher right now. And, you know, Quinn probably wasn't that guy to get them the next step. And they think Jalant's the guy. And I think they will. I think he's got, the, I think the Rangers have the talent. Um, you know, to, to get back and start competing again for a cup. Yeah, and I mean they got they got especially especially on the offensive side of the especially on a, with the goal scores with with uh, with uh, Zabanajad with uh, with uh, Panarin and with uh, with Lafreniere. So they definitely have some some goal scores. So as a Ranger fan, I'm excited about the hire too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am too. I, I can't wait to kind of see what he does with this team, and hopefully he gets us back into the playoff because. I miss cheering for a team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I miss it. Yeah, 
Yeah, we had that from 2012 to 2016. We, we, we haven't had that the last four or five years. So I, I definitely want to get back into being in, in the playoffs. I miss those days. But we're going to wrap the show, talk about a major in golf this weekend, and that is the U.S. Open. And obviously Bryson DeChambeau, the defending champ, he's at 18 to 1 odds. Dustin Johnson, 16 to 1 odds. The leader is John Rahm. Uh, 10 to 1 odds. Brooks Kepka, 18 to 1 odds. Roy McElroy, 20 to 1. Jordan Spieth, uh, 20 to 1. Justin Thomas, 22 to 1. Patrick Cantley, 25 to 1. Uh, Justin Rose, 45 to 1. So, I, I mean, my favorite right now, I'm, I'm going with Dustin Johnson this tournament. I think he wins this major. I'd like to see Dustin, jo- Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau go at it at the end, but I'm going, I'm going with Dustin Johnson in this major. I want a known guy to win. We had an unknown guy win the Masters. I want a known guy to win the U.S. Open. Yeah, um, that, yeah, you know, be nicer, Dust John. I'm actually gonna go back to um, Bryson DeChambeau because I know at this at this course, it's very narrow. And you need to have a good drive. DeChambeau, you know, his driver is unbelievable. Um, so as long as you know, as he's not too chaotic out there um, with the length he can hit the ball. I think he could um, win another. That you know, win this thing back to back. Um, I, I think you could have a, you know, another really, really good major. Yeah. Yeah. So as you know, obviously the U S open really, really excited for that. And, uh, as I, as I said, I just want to see two known guys going at it Sunday, uh, uh, Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. It probably destroyed the masters not having that, you know, Sifley was pretty cool. He just, he looked like the caddy from like oh, happy Gilmore. That's what I was voting for him. I was rooting for him on a Sunday. I just felt like it was a cool thing, but. Yeah, you know, obviously it's for golf. It's it's great. You get two known known names in there. So yeah, hopefully you get a good absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So that's gonna wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RNJ for our producer Jace Garcia. Did a great job for Justin Donofrio. We will be back next week for a big show. We got the NBA playoffs. We got the NHL playoffs. We got we'll probably have some NFL news. And don't forget the Yankees and Red Sox are back at it next week too. And don't forget we got the biggest sporting event in Connecticut next week the Travelers Golf Tournament at the TPC Highlands. So make sure you guys listen this week. Uh, we'll, be back, we'll be back next week, and you guys have an outstanding weekend. Manning lobs it. Burris alone. Touchdown, New York. It's off the Leonard. Defended by Simmons. Is this the tagger? Oh! High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya, into the second deck, a grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge, and the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m.